Lee Henson Hasty, Senior Director of uh, Theological Education Funds Development uh, at the Presbyterian Foundation um, to support future ministers is what I do. And I have with me um, uh, a biblical scholar and friend, Nancy C. Lee. If you don't know her, I hope you'll, you're going to get to know her a little bit today. There's not nearly enough time. Um, she is professor in the Department of Religious Studies at Elmhurst College, and she is the, I always get this wrong, it's the Niebuhr, the Niebuhr Chair, Distinguished Chair, right. um, which is exciting. What is the Niebuhr connection at Elmhurst? Oh, that's, um, in fact, I should say that we just became a university oh, uh, this week. Me. Okay. So now we're Elmhurst University. Uh, the neighbors both were undergraduates at Elmhurst. Oh. Uh, and um, there was a connection between Eden Seminary in St. Louis right. and College. And uh, we have some notable alums. We had um, Paul Ochtemeyer went Oh, here, yeah. And Walter Brueggemann. Oh, yeah. Right. They're all undergrads. And so, so Brueggemann went from Elmhurst to, to Eden, right? Well, he no, he was an undergraduate at Elmhurst. Right. In his career, he taught at Eden. Right. But um. But I think he did his master's work at Eden. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and H. Richard Niebuhr became president of Elmhurst College. Oh. Right. Okay. For a while, so we have this big Niebuhr. Here. That's awesome. And friends, although I can't give her a whole bio, I'll, it's going to be posted in the comments and in the follow up to this, but um, Nancy did her THM at Columbia with, and her thesis was under the direction of Walter Brueggemann. I know she's done a lot of work with him. I remember actually engaging you one of the first times at a conference at Montreat on lament, hope and lament, right. like right. in the 2006 or something. Um, and Phyllis Tribble was there. That conference was just off the hook, trying to reclaim sure. lament. And, um, uh, Apple Watch is now talking to me, <laughs> wants to know what we're talking about. But she uh, has a PhD from Union Seminary in Richmond, where she worked with Bill Brown, um, THM from Columbia. Um, she went to Southern Baptist uh, Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina, not to be confused. Uh, Southeastern, right, Southeastern. Southeastern. Yeah, um, yeah that's important. <laughs> Southwest. That was back, back in the old days. For people. Back in the old days. Right. Um, and she has a bachelor's from University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Um, and, uh, but she is calling now from Elmhurst in the Chicago area. And thank you for being here. Your work in Lament um, that is grounded in some of your Fulbright, you know, work in Croatia and your teaching in South Africa, among other places. Um, just thanks for taking the time to be here, Nancy. Sure. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. It's good to see <laughs> yeah. you again. It's good to see you, definitely. We've talked on the phone, but it's definitely good to see you. Um, so, Nancy, one of the ways I start, and I think you know this is coming, is just to talk a little bit about what is making you come alive, because what the world needs is people who are coming alive, Howard Thurman said, or as Katie Cannon. I'm not sure if you got to do any work with Katie Cannon, if there was any overlap at Union, um, but um, if... Uh, she says, is the work your soul must have. That's another way to think about vocation. Um, right. So what is, what, is, okay. what is your call? I have to tell you, the thing that's most excited me in the last, I'd say at least five years, is I've been digging into the Hebrew 
um, of the Bible and have seen um, a pattern which indicates, in my view, a women's composing tradition. Right. And, um, it's involving some sound play patterns which attributed women's text use and men's attributed text virtually always use a doublet sound play pattern. Uh, it works in many places so far. And so I've been writing on that and um, did a book uh, on... Haniva and Hannah, hearing Haniva women's prophets. and Hannah, mm -hmm. the woman prophet and Hannah, and looking at those texts and trying to show how, um, even though women are not often attributed, we might be able to locate texts in the Bible that were composed by a woman or a women's tradition. And um, recently I just completed, uh, really excited about this a commentary on the Song of Songs, uh, which was new to me to really um, explore and research and, and examine this book. Um, but the sound pattern holds there so that wow. when women sings, it's in triplet sound play throughout. And when the man sings, it's in doublet sound play. So it's very exciting. And I'm that book is, is just exciting because it's so unusual in the biblical canon. Right. You have love poetry. And um, many commentators today are suggesting that there was a woman composer responsible for at least parts of that book. So that's that's very exciting to come into that conversation and bring this insight that that um, I have about the, the patterns that we can identify. Um, that, I mean, I, I would think I was at the Society of Biblical Literature AR meeting when you did a paper talk when this was just, before this was published and how, I mean, I was just so excited and the room was just electrified you know, okay. and there were so many follow-up questions. And I'm glad to hear, I didn't realize, I knew about the first book and you said you were going to continue with this. And I'm glad to hear you're continuing doing that research. And there's a bunch of Hebrew geeks out there who are right. uh, going to be excited to, to learn more. Well, and I would like to just say uh, a special thank you to Sam Ballantyne because he invited me to write this commentary on Song of Songs and Lamentations, so both in one volume. And uh, so it gave me an opportunity to bring that research into, into the discussion more. That's awesome. That is, that is awesome. So um, what is it that sort of opened your world to lament? What, what was it that kind of got you there? Or maybe we can start with uh, the question that uh, we talked about, which, which would you prefer? For you, you like to answer that question first? Well, I can say just quickly, um, I, I imagine I really got interested in lament, especially by studying with Dr. Brueggemann. I mean, most of us could say that, you know, um, he so emphasized okay. the neglect of lament. And so then when I, after I did the THM um, and went on to the PhD, I did it on the Book of Lamentations. And so um, at the time, the war in Bosnia was raging, and so I was watching the news on the one hand and working on lamentations on the other, and so that just kind of, it was, for me, it was a, a, a moment of faith and prayerful trying to consider what I should do, and I felt like I was supposed to go to that context, and, you know, that God um, somehow opened that door and that I was supposed to be in a context where lamentations was 
as real as possible. Of course, you could go into any number of places, even within this country, to discover what right. the real problem meant. Right. But at that time, that's what, what happened. And so ever since, you know, I, I kept working with laments, cross-cultural laments, historical. So anyway, but that's pretty much how it all. Uh, and I'm sure things in my background feed into, you know, kind of a sense of um, concern for people who suffer. So. Right. Well, yes. Um, and I know even in the last few months, you've been um, taking time with family and others. You, you, there's, you're one of the most empathetic people, healthy, empathetic people I know. <laughs> so, um, it's, uh, it's really helpful. You actually posed a question. I don't know if you want to ask this question, but it may get some of our comments going. You can go ahead. I don't really have it right in front of me at the moment. So uh, Nancy wanted the folks who are watching, and I understand one of our new co-moderators of the Presbyterian Church just elected a couple of weeks ago, Jerome. Um, Greg, Gregory Bentley is joining us if he's not already there. Um, so these are the questions you might put in the comment or might um, comment on is if you step out of your professional role as a minister for a few moments, Nancy asked, in this situation of pandemic and everything else <laughs> that's going on, uh, what do you lament uh, about for yourself, uh, your life, what do you feel sorrow about? Um, and she also, another way is, um, who or what have you lost? It's such such a really great question. And um, I, I get a little bit emotional just thinking about it because uh, there's been a lot, you know, lost um, and lamented for, that is for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you answer that question? Nancy. How do I answer it? Oh, oh, put me on the spot. I could ask you first, but okay. Okay, you can. <laughs> you want to go ahead? No, I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, in terms of lost individuals, uh, I have longtime family friends in St. Louis who are family to me, and then one of their friends who's like family died um, in a nursing home with COVID. And um, just the, the grief about that is, is, is a lament. And not only that, but um, as so many are experiencing, we can't visit people in nursing homes very often. Right. We can't hold our usual funeral services in the church as usual. Um, and things are limited to a graveside where, you know, people are spread out wearing masks. And so these are personally, personal um, laments and I'm sure many people have something similar like this. Um, uh, the reason I asked the question about personal laments for folks is because I think so often we, we're in our professional role and we're taking care of everybody else and I think it's really important for us to be in touch with our own uh, laments and suffering so that um, um, it helps us grapple with other people's laments as well and takes care of ourselves we need to take right care of um it's true i mean and i i mean for me i know not many people who know me and i'm sure you won't be surprised for me to say pro there's so many things i'm thinking of now but one of the things is just the in-person contact i mean the yep. screen doesn't i mean it's it's a facsimile, <laughs> you know, but it's not exactly the same as that kind of warmth. Um, and, and there's something about being in the presence of somebody else 
Absolutely. Um, and I, a friend of mine, they were, they did drive by communion, but um, you know, face masks, face shields. I mean, it's, it, yeah. I mean, it's there, but it also that, you know, it's also barriers. I just lament that in-person mm-hmm. time with folks who are in joy or in suffering or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, I think um, there's a flip side to this coin to the question, and that is, given our laments and our losses, therefore, we now, of course, it's easy, obvious. We appreciate those very things all the more now. It's like this virus has cast this huge spotlight mm-hmm. on all of life and exposed right. and causing us to question and, and ponder, you know, what is it we value most in, mm-hmm. in terms of what we've lost? And what is it, what is unnecessary, <laughs> you know? Um, True. What is essential to use the word out there now? You know, Nancy, I always heard in scripture and you hear all kinds of percentages thrown around. Lament is, is, and I remember at that conference a long time ago, it's very, it's central to the biblical text, but it's not necessarily central to the revised common lectionary (laughs) or, or text that we talk about. Is there, what could you say about that? Is how prominent lament is just. Right. The The usual focus is the scholars that will always, um, look at is how much lament is important in the Psalms. Mm-hmm. And, and ministers know this because they use the Psalms all the time. Um, the majority of Psalms uh, in terms of genre are laments. There mm-hmm. are different kinds of Psalms, you know, uh, hymns and enthronements, all the different types. But the one that is most common is a lament Psalm. And some of those laments end in a plea for help to God and others move from that plea to, oh, the person expresses they have been helped, and then they move to praise. So you have both types of those. And not only that, but many of the praise songs that we might just put in the category is this is a praise song, will refer back to a time when a person right. went to God and God helped them, and now they're giving thanks. So it is, I was struck, I was looking back through just again, to, you know, yesterday and today. It's, it's just amazing how pervasive lament is. The interesting thing to me is, and I'll just not go too long on this, the thing that people lament most about, ironically, is how someone is treating me badly, mm-hmm. my enemy. And, you know, that's a whole discussion in itself. And so sometimes I think we, we read these Psalms and we might think, well, does this really... Uh, work for people. Let's say um, someone's not suffering because they have an enemy mistreating them or about to kill them, but some people are in that boat today, as we know. Um, right. And so, but but um, I think it's important to kind of pull out some of these laments. And although I wouldn't do this in the classroom and say, all right, just take verses that work. I think for ministers, I think sometimes, we, as we all know, in preparing a sermon, there's a certain verse or two that just jump out because the Spirit moves you to, and the context demands, oh, I need to deal with that, and God is telling me to deal with that, perhaps. Um, so I think within these lament psalms, even though some of them don't quite fit mm-hmm. what we might think people are going through, we can still draw uh, lines from them. And I, I have compiled several that I could mention. I've dropped my paper. I'm just going to pick it up. That's good. And I'm seeing some comments okay. here too. Um, I, I want to get those. Um, one of our co-moderators, Greg Bentley, says the recalcitrance and resistance to those who refuse to see what is right in front of our eyes and who insist on reclaiming the past. 
um, that is unreclaimable and moreover not worthy to reclaim. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And uh, Anna, Anna is saying, pick me straight truth and preach. I think part of that is lament is claiming what is going on, naming Absolutely. it, right? That's a great point they're making. I appreciate that. I was going to, I was going to say that one of the purposes of lament is just to be utterly honest and truthful um, about the things that we don't like to talk about or they don't want, we don't want to admit in our lives or in society. And so one of the big elements of lament in the Bible is a call for justice Right. You know, um, it's not just a prayer to God privately that, um, you know, someone's persecuting me, but it's done in the context of worship and it's letting everybody know I'm being mistreated. So it, and it's an mm -hmm. implicit call to the congregation, the community to, to know and then mm -hmm. to do something about it. Not just so, God, right? Somebody, so, uh, Pam, Pamela Ruth Prouty, who's a state clerk, I think in Minnesota, good friend of mine. Hey, Pam. She is talking about its lament being miss, missing in children's curriculum, vacation Bible school. I mean, one of the, where we teach kids uh, and people at all developmental levels, you know, how to, how to, how to lament and, and appropriately. Right. I mean, right. Um, so. and for, for even children to, to, to be okay with saying, I don't feel good. I I'm worried. I'm anxious. Right. Uh, I'm scared. Um, our culture, continues to be one in which we like to focus on the positive and kind of be in denial about things. And uh, right. so um, there are ways, and I'm not a psychologist, but I know that the psychologist would, would want to see a holistic approach for children and everybody, obviously. You know, you mentioned a list of scripture. I may get that from you and we can post it. So, but I know there also was a nice little slide we put together on, that might, also deepen this or, conversation. Can I just say one more thing? This sure, is please. In terms of lament as prayer, uh, which were songs, if you know, we know um, there's a couple of things. One other thing I want to say that's kind of really important theologically, um, and that is so often there are only a few psalms that talk about someone being sick. And this is obviously hugely important today that people need resources for dealing with their illness and the things like that. So often in the psalms, Illness is linked to uh, the person feeling like they're sinful and they're being punished by God. Mm. And the illness is kind of God is laying it on them. Right. It's really unfortunate. Um, so what I, I would say about those is use your scissors on those. You can still <laughs> pull out some of those phrases that are so beautiful by the person lamenting about their, their, their suffering. Um, and I'll send you those. Um, um, and, and, you know, we have to update for theology that is our, you know, our theology. And, and you know, so, so that's the only thing I would say about that. But you were going to move to the other type of... Yeah, no, that's, I'm glad you said that, because that's yeah. one of the reasons people sometimes steer clear mm -hmm. of, um, of some of those songs. So we're going to share a screen. Let's hope this all works. Maybe a little glitch here, but not too long, I hope. Uh, uh, where did it go? Here, here we go. Well. Okay, so I can comment a little bit on this. Yes. Um, there's two general types of, of lament that we can identify across cultures through history. The first, as we already mentioned, was a lament 
as a prayer. And you find that in different religious traditions, not just Christianity or Judaism. But then there's the dirge. It's an old-fashioned word, but it's a song for someone's death. And in today's uh, context, we have funerals and we have a eulogy. Everybody knows about that. But in traditional cultures, they, they may, have, may have had a eulogy, but they especially had a dirge song, which performed the role of a eulogy and more. So it provided um, uh, processing of grief. And so some of the elements of a typical third song you can see here that I've listed. Um, and you can see that um, if you flip to the next screen, that you, they don't, the, the idea of giving a eulogy is just one piece of a dirt right. song. So a dirt song performed this holistic role of helping people process grief because they talked about the loss. They sang about the loss of the person. And if you go back up to the first frame, um, they compared what life, uh, contrast motif, what life was like when they were around and now. And that's just so poignant for people to sing about and say the impact on those remaining. These are the hard things to sing about. You know, mm -hmm. a eulogy is often very positive and the person might be you know, weepy or, or okay, but they try and hold it together. Um, but it's trying to be very positive about the person, obviously, and that's good. But the dirge genre, the song, accomplished so much more um, that is for the, those left behind. And um, questions, how did this happen? Why did it happen? Incomprehensible, especially if someone died young. Um, if you go to the next slide, back again to the second one, um, a lot of times when I'm teaching my students in the classroom, I will, we will listen to songs today, popular songs. Popular songs, songwriters are much better at using the dirge genre than we in the religious traditions are. I, I don't mean to sound, you know, down on us, but um, popular lyricists and musicians right. do a great job with this. And if you just start to listen to some sad songs out there, you will start to see these elements. And one of the most common ones is addressing the person who has died as you, as though you're talking to them. And at first, when you see that, you think, that sounds weird. But it is so common. Do you have an example of that? Do we want to yeah. show that? Yeah, let's show the example. We'll go. And this, uh, one of the elements of the dirge is use of metaphors and similes. And this is a song that many people know, Gone Too Soon. Um, and the songwriters, Larry Grossman and Alan Cohan. Um, this song was composed in 1983 after, uh, interestingly, I just learned this, Karen Carpenter had died. But these songwriters wrote this song for a whole long list of famous people who had died too young, Elvis Presley, others. And right. so they wrote this and you, as you read it, you see that it totally made up of similes. The person is like a comet blazing across the evening sky. And one reason I like to show this is one thing I, w I, I wouldn't want us to end here without leaving with this plea that, that we all involve ourselves in writing laments, whether it's lament prayer or a dirge type uh, lament for someone. And if it's just for yourself, that's fine. If it's for a journal, fine. If it's something you want to share in a group, fine, because everybody has this need to process their losses. And what we did at that conference so long ago at Montreat was we got people to work on how they can creatively um, write this kind of thing. Once you know the genre, 
right. make a stab at it, you might find that it's not so hard. And it's just a way to process grief. That's beautiful um, and very helpful. Uh, and you see uh, that embedded in the song is the comparison. The person was like a comet. Beautiful. Life was like, that's what life was like with them back then. But then it disappeared. So mm -hmm. embedded within this simile is both then and now. And it, you you uh, know, this is making me think, I mean, I'm here in Louisville, Kentucky, and we've been, um, I, th I think we're past 30 days of demonstrations and Jefferson Square primarily uh, sparked by the death, uh, premature death of Breonna Taylor. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, I, I want to go and look at some of those signs. I mean, the signs are just poignant. Um, they almost would frame a poem. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, reading those, the, the grief, you know, definitely gone too soon. Um, you can and, see how it just comes out of people, these expressions, because it's part right. of human, our humanity. And we need to not ever lose it. I think we need to nurture it. Right. Yeah. Very, it's very healthy, healthy thing. Our time is, is really worrying past me. Let me look and check. We've got th about five more minutes. Okay. Um, uh, is there anything back on this slide or do you mean to bring the slides? You want to no, look I at? think that kind of gives people an idea. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. And we'll post those friends on the resources so you can see it, see it later. Um, you know, in worship, uh, there are a lot of pastors who watch and I'm trying to think where in worship it's, we have this call to worship, you know, and you're you, you active in the UCC tradition, ordained initially in the Baptist kind of cooperative Baptist strain, I guess you'd say. Um, what what can you say about in the context of worship? Would or, or the places that this I, makes sense? Well, I think I think the most obvious place is the pastoral prayer for right. a lament type prayer, um, and um, I I think people who are just compassionate and sensitive are going to be doing that all the time, right. you know. Right. Um, what what I would would hope is that in some way we can incorporate the congregation's laments, mm. right? That's not just coming from the clergy, um, and whether that is someone writes something that they feel like is 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 a lament for this time or what they've been through, almost in the the way of doing a testimony. Uh, which right. I know is not really a place for that in the Presbyterian liturgy. Oh, it's, but, it, it's getting there. We're getting but, there. <laughs> but, you know, um, because it's also a testament to what God has done to help me, right? Mm -hmm. Whether someone is, is still suffering or whether they've made it through their period of time. And, you know, um, so, and songs as well. I mean, um, I think part of what my effort has been with Lament is to say, Yes, people have always lamented in song, and um, but our repertoire, what we draw from, and I, I know others have said this, Dr. Brueggemann, um, we haven't always drawn on a repertoire that is moves much beyond praise, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, which is we can understand why, but um, we need to. I think we need to write new. We need to write new lament songs. We don't have to only rely on the past. So we're asking some folks who are very familiar with our new Glory to God hymnal. I don't know if you know much about it. And James uh, Tanini, who's a biblical scholar at Union, you may know, is asking about recommendations of hymns for public worship that you know of now. Um, oh gosh, I'd have to pull the pull pull it out. I know that 
I know that the hymnals generally have been trying to incorporate more right. lament right. into the choices, and that's really right. good. Um, I, you know, I, I don't have that right at my fingertips. Well, we'll, I mean, it's a good follow-up thing for, and we have some yeah, folks who are. I'll answer that by, we can post. Yeah, that'd be, that'd Thank be awesome. Um, so Liz, our time has, has come and gone, unfortunately, but hopefully folks realize they'd love uh, to know more about what you're doing. I'm looking forward to the, to the, um, the new commentary on Lamentations and Song of Songs and um, help me pronounce Haneva, is that right? Haneva, it's uh, the Hebrew word for a female prophet. Haneva and Hannah, I think Hineviah. y'all, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we posted also Nancy's CV and, and, and bio. You can find other things she's written. Um, I think you'll want to, and we'll, it sounds like you're not stopping with Song of Songs. You're going to be looking for this woman, the women prophet and prophets um, in more places. Well, yeah, and she is, there's a very, she's it's a very prophetic voice in the Song of Songs, even though it's love poetry. Okay. And that's something that I highlight. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but thanks for all those who came on board today and your questions and comments. I look forward to, to engaging. Nice, nice. Would you be willing to close us with a charge, a blessing, a benediction, however you like to do it? Absolutely. And I'm going to, I'm going to, it's one that my pastor uses every week and it's so beautiful. So let's do that one. Sure. As the shadows lengthen and the weary world is hushed, may the Lord grant you strength, peace, and hope for tomorrow. Amen. Amen. It's nice and simple. Um, We need that strength. That is for sure. A couple of weeks ago, somebody said, you know, uh, can you create a moment in a virtual environment? And I think you can. And uh, thank you for for these moments, Nancy, um, that were very touching. touching.